Wildwood Community Church exists to glorify God by connecting people to Christ, His worship, His community, and His mission. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Like Mark said, I'm Jonathan Holmes, and uh, I have the great privilege of being with you all this morning. Uh, normally, you'd find me downstairs in the basement with uh, a lot of them, and, uh, and some sixth graders, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, and uh, the seniors all together hanging out. Uh, so it's a blessing to be with you all this morning and just share God's word. Uh, and so know that's my heart. My heart is uh, that we would focus on God's word this morning. We would uh, learn and grow from it. And your love for Jesus Christ might grow in our time together. Uh, that, that, and more than that, that the, our love for Jesus wouldn't stay here, that it would produce love for others. Uh, and so if you won't find me at work, you'll find me at my house with my wife, Amber. We're gonna celebrate six years of marriage in June. And uh, with my trying to control my two-year-old daughter, uh, who is insane, I think, but I guess that's how all of them are. Um, and then now our two-month-old uh, son, Oliver. And uh, it's a privilege to be a parent, and that has changed uh, everything. It really has. It's changed how I, uh, how I view God and how I read Scripture and how I live life and what my priorities are, um, and just my passion for being here with you all this morning. And, uh, and yeah, I'm really excited about this morning. I'm excited to share with you what the Lord has put on my heart. Um, and just, uh, just to know before I, uh, I get into the message this morning, that Wildwood is such a blessing for us, and I don't get paid to say this, uh, but it is such a blessing that Wildwood holds dear to the truth of the gospel. Uh, that beyond programming, beyond lights and building and all of, the, all of the things and the differences in pastors and preaching and teaching styles and worship styles, there's a ton we could divide over, but let's hold dear to this, that we, we believe in the gospel. That's, that's huge. Yeah, what a privilege it is for me to uh, drop my kids off in children's ministry and to know without a doubt that they are going to hear the gospel this morning. But they're going to hear it. And then to come here and sit under Mark and Bruce's teaching uh, and, and to hear and be reminded of the beauty of the gospel so that I might go out and share that with others. And then the privilege that I have of teaching uh, a lot of your children in student ministry and the opportunity I get to teach them and to be with them and to, to show them the gospel when I'm really tired over great night and when I'm on a mission trip and all these things and I get to teach them and share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I just want to let you all know that uh, it is a privilege to be a pastor here, but it's more than that, it's a privilege to be a member here at Wildwood where we believe in the gospel. Um, and so I wonder this morning, have you ever heard someone, uh, and I imagine you have, take the Bible out of context? Or have you heard someone maybe say, yeah, it's from the Bible, and it's not in the Bible? Or, uh, or maybe they, they say something and they leave out a key word, or uh, they, they remove something that's really important from the passage and they apply it to their circumstances. And uh, I would imagine all of us have this morning, and so the passage that we are going to look at this morning, uh, it's been, this has been done to this passage over and over again. I didn't even know it until, uh, un until I started preparing, but this is famous for being applied in the wrong way. And so uh, this morning, we're gonna look at 1 Chronicles 4, 9 through 10. And so it's called the Prayer of Jabez. And we'll get to that. We'll get to what that means for some of us in this room and then for others who maybe missed the bandwagon. We'll get to what that means. But this morning, we're gonna look at 1 Chronicles. And I don't expect that everyone in here has a framework for this book. That, that you just know, hey, I know why First Chronicles was written. I know what's in it. I know the structure of it. I don't expect that. One, because it's First Chronicles and it's, it's the last of the, the historical books. So when we get there, we're like, again? 
I've heard this, like I've just read this. I'm trying to go year through the Bible and I got through Leviticus and I'm here again. Oh, this is a struggle. But um, so I just wanna provide you really two key points on the book of Chronicles. And so uh, the book of Chronicles was written to provide the lineages of the kings, but it was provided the kings of Israel to remind an exiled Israel of their past kings, but also their future promised king. We need to know that even though this is a historical, you get the lineages, you get Saul, you get David, you get all these kings. This is, this is incredibly important because it's not just about those kings, it's about the promised king. And so as we read the Old Testament, remember Jesus said, read it through the lens of Jesus, not of anything else. It, it, everything, the lineages, the prophets, the historical books have been written about me. Right? We, need to, we need to take note of that, and this is about the future promised king. Now, I want to show you just a quick picture of, uh, of an outline from Insight for Living. This is Chuck Swindoll's uh, ministry, and I know that's really hard to see. That's just a, a, that shows you kind of where it goes in the lineages of the kings, and, uh, and that's First and Second Chronicles. But the next picture is a little zoomed in on First Chronicles. And so the first nine chapters of First Chronicles are genealogies. They're lineages. The sons of Simeon were... This is your favorite book, right? And this is your favorite. This is when you get to it, you're like, yes, I'm gonna feel refreshed this morning. Here we go, three chapters of this, right? The sons of Simeon were, and then you, it, it, what makes it harder, it's not Frank and Billy, it's like Zebedad and Zenon, and you're like, wow, like it's just a struggle, right? And so this is a passage where we get lost in the forest of lineages. We do, we get, we get to this and we go, what am I supposed to get here, right? But it's important to remember that Jesus is the subject of every book of the Bible, every single one, including First Chronicles, right? And it's in the prayer of Jabez that we find Jesus. But the last reminder about, the first, about first Chronicles is we read it to know that this is not our generation's faith. This is a faith from the very beginning. This is a faith for all generations. This is not my generation, this is not your generation. This is not the generation before us. This is from the very beginning. And these historical books, even in their monotony of lineages and the genealogies and the hard names, friends, we do not have a new religion. This is a religion from the very beginning who Jesus established for us, for his glory, right? And for our good. And so, Nestled into these lineages, though, we see some really, really short biographies. And when I say biographies, I mean like one sentence if you're lucky. Jabez got really lucky, and he has two sentences, okay? Two verses are written about this man named Jabez, and they're in this, like, really, this forest of lineages where you're just, like, trying to blaze through. You miss these. You're like, I don't care. I just got, I'm almost there, right? Like, when's the New Testament start? Like, just get me through. But when you, when you do that, your impatience is telling you there's nothing of value here and you miss Jabez, who the historian stopped and he said, wait a second, we, we can't just go past Jabez. We gotta take a second. You, you gotta know this about the life of Jabez. So if you would turn with me to 1 Chronicles 4. We're gonna read two verses and we'll read, read a few more throughout the, uh, the morning. But 1 Chronicles 4, 9, and this is the descendants of Judah. This is a royal tribe, so he would be a royal son. And it says this in verse nine. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers and his mother called his name Jabez saying, because I bore him in pain. Verse 10. 
Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. And that's the story of Jabez. That's it. It's, the, it, it's in the middle of this force of lineages that he, that he pops out. He says, you got to know about this man named Jabez. Now, this is going to show my age a little bit. And so I'm not afraid that I'm young. I'm 27, and I love it, right? I love Jesus a lot right now, and I have too much passion. So I have to control that a little bit when I get on this stage, right? With this, I'm just jumping everywhere, right? Like those middle schoolers are like chihuahuas jumping on pogo sticks. So I got to, my energy is up, right? Like I can, I, I'm free. Here I'm like, you know what? Here we go. But this is, this is what happened. So, so I was asked to teach about two months ago for Mark. And, and I was like, that sounds great. And, uh, you know, it just happens to land on baccalaureate and Sunday morning where we're doing seniors and I'm supposed to do starting. I'm like, yeah, it's great. I get it. I get a trend here, Mark. You're going to try to really make me rely on faith in God in these times. And so, so I, I'm trying to prepare. I'm looking through my notebook. I'm looking through all the, these ideas. I'm like, what do I want to teach on? I mean, this, this comes around maybe twice a year. And so I'm like, man, I really want to teach on this. And, but then I kept landing on prayer of Jabez. And I was like, man, I had a seminary professor do this amazing talk where he was like, you know, the beauty of Chronicles is not in all the details, it's in the people. And I was like, oh, yes, right? And then he talked about Jabez and it made a mark on my life and my prayers. But then I came in and, and this was about two weeks ago and I walked in and I had most of my preparation done and I was walking in and Mark stopped me and he said, hey, did you ever land on something to teach on? And I said, yeah, prayer of Jabez. And, and you know, I didn't expect like this, oh, wow, this is going to be so good, like astounding. I can't believe you know all this about the Old Testament. But what I didn't expect even more was him to start laughing. And he started, he started just cracking up. And I was like, I'm being totally serious. I was just standing there and I was like, should I change it? Like, what's going on? And he was like, you don't know. And then instead of just telling me and getting me out of my misery, he goes, Bruce, Bruce, come in here. Come on. And he calls Bruce into his office and he says, tell him what you're going to teach on. I said, the prayer of Jabez. And he goes, what? And I was like, yeah, the, you know, the prayer of Jabez. He's like, yeah, I, I know it because it's, it's this. It's this. And I was like, oh, it stole my sermon. Like, how dare Bruce Wilkinson steal my sermon, right? I mean, I thought I, thought I had it. I was like, this is it. No one's going to have heard this passage before. Friends, this, this came out in 2001. If you didn't know it, and everyone in the the room, I'm getting the picture. You've all read this book. 2001, it has sold over 10 million copies. Don't know how I missed it, right? It's like like I don't know what WWJD means. (laughs) Really, it's like someone comes in and you're like, what's that bracelet mean? You're like, oh, that's funny. (gasps) You don't know? Right? Like that was my moment with with Bruce and Mark. And, And so, I mean, this is 80 pages and... It's a, it's a good little book, and so I started reading it that day, and I got through it. And, you know, there, there are some similarities. But, you know, I, my heart this morning is that this might be a passage that mis, was misapplied in some ways. That, that, that this is not an opportunity maybe to seek so self-centered things, but might be an opportunity to redeem the prayer of Jabez for our lives and our prayers. And so I know that you may have read this or you for sure someone, know someone who's read this, but this is an opportunity for us not to talk about this book. Really, m- my heart is that the Lord has placed First Chronicles 4 on my heart 
It has made an impact on my life. Bruce hasn't, Bruce Wilkinson hasn't. It was, it was the word of God. And so I wanna focus on that this morning. You will see some overlap. You'll see some differences and I invite you to investigate those. It, look at those against the word of God and see, and see where you land. But my heart is that, that the prayer of Jabez, the life of Jabez would affect you in a way for the gospel, for the good of Jesus Christ, right? And so the, it breaks down something like this this morning. We're going to first look at the life of Jabez, and then we're going to look at the prayer of Jabez. And so you can kind of assume the outline now. And so verse 9 is the life of Jabez, and we're going to read that again. And it is a very short biography. And, if, you know, to ask the question this morning, if you had one sentence written about your life, what would it say? I wonder. I mean, it scares me a little bit. Like, I, I, there might be a little you know, comma there that adds something. I'm like, I don't want that on there, right? Like, I don't want to know how much time I spend watching TV or Netflix. I don't want that on there. I want time with my family or with the Lord. And so it says this in verse nine, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez saying, because I bore him in pain. Now, this is truly all we know about Jabez, this. And, and there was a city, a little town named after Jabez who they're called the scribes later on in First Chronicles. And so, but we know about the man Jabez, two things, okay? And the first thing is that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Now, it's, it's funny when we talk about spiritual things because if you're anything like me, when you read that sentence, you go, well, what made him more honorable? What, what made him so special, right? You kind of see the self-centered question that we get. Man, I, I get that. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're beyond me in spiritual things. But when I read this, I'm like, well, what made him so honorable? What did he do to, to deserve that honor? And so when we think of spiritual things, a lot of times what we do in our spiritual lives is we look at each other. We look at each other. How, you know, what are they reading? How often do they study their Bible? How often do they show up to church? Well, how often do they serve in children's ministry, right? We compare and contrast, and then we say, I am a good Christian, for I'm better than him, right? What? No. You don't find honor when you look at others. You find honor when your life is pleasing to the Lord. And so let's look at why he's honorable, and we have to, we have to jump into verse 10 just for a second, and it's that first few words in it there, and it says, Jabez called upon the God of Israel. Why is Jabez honorable? Because he called upon the God of Israel. It is not because of how nice he was, how good of a neighbor he was, how committed he was to his community. It's because of his devotion to the Lord. And his biography, his one sentence biography, half of it, half of it, over half of it, is Jabez was devoted to prayer. He was devoted to the Lord through prayer. This is huge. I, I envy this. I want this. And I hope you do too. I hope that you see that Jabez is a picture of a life lived that's honoring of God in the sense of crying out to him. Not in comparison with others, but crying out to him, calling out to him. And Jabez isn't the only one. Remember in Jacob, Genesis 32, that he is given the honorable name Israel. When? After a night, a supernatural night wrestling match of prayer, communion with the Lord, that he is given this honor. That this honor is found when we call upon the name of the Lord, not when we compare ourselves with each other. So the first thing we learn about the life of Jabez 
is his life is remembered by his prayers. But then the second thing is it's marked by his suffering. He's remembered for his prayers, for his devotion to the Lord, but it is marked by his suffering. In verse nine, it says, and his mother called his name Jabez saying, because I bore him in pain. Now this is, this is obviously uh, pointing back to Genesis three. So in Genesis three, everything changes. Creation goes to sin. Beautiful goes to broken. Perfect communion with God goes to broken relationship with him. That everything changes in Genesis three. And a part of this is the Lord, that he is cursing the ground. He is cursing his creation. It is breaking. And so Genesis 3.16, it says this, says to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing and pain you shall bring forth children. So this is a play on words. It, it, it shows the similar structure so that the reader points back and he says, ooh, we are all sufferers. No matter what, no matter if you are suffering right now, if you, ha- if you have suffered or if you are, you're good, right? Maybe you're, you're too young to suffer, know what suffering is. We all suffer because of sin. That is not to diminish the intense suffering that some are facing in the room. But those some, right, in that suffering, right, have the same sense of the life of Jabez because this is not just a generic claim, but this, is, this, this uh, suffering that is used in this passage is intense emotional suffering in the Hebrew. This is not just, oh yeah, it's, you know, sin that we all feel and we all suffer in that sense. It's also, there's a unique sense and there's a lot of commentaries on why he's suffering or why his, his mother might be suffering and his father's not named. Let's not get into what's there and what's not there. Let's just know that Jabez's life was marked by suffering. That when we remember Jabez, we remember his devotion, but it is marked by his suffering. And that in that, in that, we have, a, we have a hope that is only found in Jesus Christ, in the Lord. But Charles Spurgeon said this. <clears throat> I have a little longer quote here from uh, when, he's, when he was reflecting on Jabez. He said this, as the furious storm gives place to the clear sunshine, so the night of weeping precedes the morning of joy. To a great extent, we find that we must sow in tears before we can reap Enjoy difficulties and disappointments have wrung our soul in anguish. Yet those projects that have cost us more than ordinary sorrow have often turned out to be the most honorable of our undertakings. That even in the storm, even in the life that is severely marked with suffering, that you don't, you don't even know if you have a life that's worth living or worth sharing or with anything. That it finds its worth in its devotion to the Lord. It's not in the suffering. You are not your suffering. You are not what you do or what has been done to you. You are the Lord's and you are found in Jesus Christ. But the simple truth, and and this is where it's all headed, that in the life of Jabez, we reflect on something we talk about now, and especially in church culture, of our legacy. What will your life and your death matter in this world? What will your mark be on your kids What will your mark be on your church, your community? What will your legacy be? And here's what the simple truth of your legacy is. That you will be remembered for what you are devoted to. That's the key. 
And that, I, I'm, I'm being totally serious that I, I feel this weight of legacy now. There's something that happens, I'm talking to all the parents in the room, when you have a child, you think of legacy more. Oh man, right? That you think of legacy more and then you, you go, well, I need to be discipling my kids and I need to be, well, let's look at, and I'm the researcher and planner, right? So I'm like, what's the best curriculum out there? What's the best devotional? Who's the best person that's doing this and how can I get mentored by them? What videos can we watch? I mean, I'm really, I'm going through all these, but you know, maybe the best family discipleship is not a program or a curriculum. Maybe it's personal devotion. You will be remembered for what you're devoted to. That's the simple truth of your legacy. And maybe if you're single in the, in the room or you're a little younger, that you want your life to mean something. Your life means the most when it's found in Jesus Christ. Truly is. But you will be remembered for what you are devoted to. And a simple story that I have of, of my past, and, and my parents are, are here this morning. They're not in this service. They'll be in next. This is early. I'm proud of all of you. But they'll, they'll come next service. But I, I cannot forget one thing that my dad did. I, really, I can't. It is so clear in my mind, I can't forget it. And it's his devotion to Jesus. But you know how he showed that? Is if I would wake up early enough, I could count on two things. One, Captain Crunch is in the cabinet. Two, that my father is on his knees in the living room. That I will always remember my dad for his devotion to Jesus Christ. So what are you devoted to? And how are you showing that? How are you showing your devotion? Okay, so that's the life of Jabez. And we see the gospel clearly in the life of Jabez because his life was marked with suffering and he is remembered for his devotion. Second, we look at the prayer of Jabez. And so this is what you know all too well. And maybe there's some in the room who have committed to praying the prayer of Jabez. And I commend you for that. <clears throat> but let's not forget that the prayer of Jabez is a gospel passage. It needs to be interpreted through Jesus Christ. So verse 10, it says this, Jabez called upon the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. So, so Jabez makes a request, and God answers that request. And so we're going to look at the requests of Jabez, and we're going to look at the four different ones. And this is uh, really, uh, it's, it's all found in, in that book as well. But this is very different than what you might find in that book. And so I think it's important just briefly to say what this prayer is and what it isn't. This prayer is not a formula at all. It is not intended to be that at all. It's not. If you use this formula, you are not guaranteed any more promises than what you would have had before. God is not a vending machine where you can choose your preference. God is not a genie where you go to make wishes. His blessing comes according to his will and his will only. This prayer is an instruction to our own. Friends, if you want an outline for your prayers, I mean, something where you could really recite when your words just aren't coming from your heart, or your heart's not in the place or your mind's not in the place to say something that makes any sense. Matthew 6, our Savior's words, don't go anywhere else. Go to the Lord's prayer where he was asked, how would you pray? Well, if the prayer of Jabez was a formula, why doesn't Jesus say that? Jesus gives us an outline. 
And it's known and hopefully memorized as the Lord's Prayer to instruct our own. But this is proper instruction. So this is one of many prayers we find in Scripture that we can take and we can learn from. How are our prayers different? How are they similar? How can we grow through Jabez's example? And so let's, let's just jump in here. And so the first request that he makes is for God's blessing. Oh, that you would bless me. Now, this is the most generic of all the requests, and it will, it will come out as, as we progress through the other three where we'll get a clearer picture of what this blessing looks like. But here's what you need to know. Just as it says in James 1.17, Jabez believes as well that God is the giver of all good things. He is the blessing giver. I wonder if you know that's true in your prayer life. You pray like it's true, that he is the giver of all good things that he is the giver, <coughs> giver of blessings. And that's all found in the promise in Abraham, Genesis twenty-two seventeen. There's similar language there used as well. And know that God does not bless based on our qualifications, but on his qualities. Second, God's expansion. The request is enlarge my borders. Enlarge it, expand my ministry, but he's not asking for more square footage. He's not asking for more materialistic things. We live in a world of consumers. When we think of enlarging, we think of the bigger car, the bigger house, the bigger family, the bigger church, whatever it is. We think of the bigger insert. But he's not talking about that. He's talking about responsibility. He's talking about opportunity. He's talking about ministry. And this is not my prayer. It's really not. This is a message for me, friends. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is not something that I have arrived at. For when I'm walking around downstairs and I see teenagers running up to me, my, my prayer is usually not, sometimes, Lord, give me an opportunity. Expand my responsibility. Stretch me thin. My prayer is sustain me through. <laughs> We're busy. What is somebody, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm busy. Did you know that you just put up a barrier in front of that person and said, I don't, I don't have time for you? Stop. Friends, when the prayer of Jabez takes root in your life, it's a gospel ministry for others. It's not a prayer for you. It's a prayer that you might bless others. Second, he asks for God's presence, that your hand, or thirdly, that your hand might be with me. The hand of God is a biblical phrase we see throughout the Old Testament the hand of God was with them, so they defeated the military. They defeated, they entered in the territory. Uh, and in Acts eleven twenty one, it says, the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. That when we ask for more ministry in the same breath, very same breath, we must ask that the Lord be with us. Spirit be with us. Because we know that more opportunity does not mean more success. More opportunity doesn't even mean more ministry. More opportunity just means more opportunity. Ministry comes through the Spirit's work through us as a vessel, a vessel of weakness to show his strength. And lastly, God's protection. Keep me from evil, harm, right? Keep me from harm. That word harm is the exact same word. It's evil. It's saying keep me from evil. Keep me from harm. Because with more opportunity comes more opportunity, come, with more opportunity to minister comes more opportunity to sin, more opportunity to let more people down, more opportunity to fail. 
Friends, when we ask the Lord for blessing, when we ask the Lord, stretch us thin, give us more ministry, not for our sake, not for our fame, not for anything except for your glory. And we want you to be the energy. We want you to be the power. We want you to be the one in the spotlight through your hand. And finally, but as we do this together, protect me because I know my weaknesses. Protect me, keep me from evil, right? Keep me from the evil one we should be reminded of in Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer. And so as we contrast these requests with our own prayers, a couple points stick out. Um, but the important thing here is that the prayer of Jabez teaches us, you will pray for what you are devoted to. Prayers flow out of your life. If you wanna know why you're praying certain things, just look at what you're doing. What you are devoted to is what you'll be remembered for. But what you pray for is what you're devoted to. Are you praying? First, are you praying? That's really the end of it. But second, are you praying for your kids? Are you praying for your friends? Are you praying for your country? Are you praying for your church? Are you praying for the kingdom? What are you praying for? Because that's where your devotion lies. Now in all of this, to wrap up, I wanna leave you how clearly the gospel is in the prayer of Jabez. How clearly it's found in the life and prayer of Jabez. And so we look at the life and prayer of Jabez and it really turned out way more popular than I ever thought it would be. But the gospel is seen in the life of Jabez because Jabez's life is marked for suffering, but it's remembered for devotion. Friends, Jesus Christ, all the more. His life was marked, ended with suffering. Suffering we can't imagine, but it is remembered that his devotion to the Father and to us is incredible. And friends, we get a picture, a type of that in Jabez. We see it in his life. And I wonder, do you see it in your own? Through suffering, as your life gets marked, are you remembered for your devotion to Jesus Christ? And the second thing, the prayer, is that in the prayer, we see Jesus. Jesus' perfect devotion is an example of the ministry we don't know how he did it because he is God. And we're not called to that ministry. But friends, we are called to be blessings. Every blessing that is endowed on you, right? This is a John Calvin quote. I'm gonna butcher it, by the way. So if you look this up, I'm sorry, John. Sorry, Calvin, right? Like every blessing endowed on you is an opportunity to bless another around you. Do you, know, do you recognize that? The moment we recognize the prayer of Jabez is a gospel ministry, is the moment it becomes real in our lives. Is the moment that it goes from a formula to maybe get the unlocked Christian life or to whatever, to recite, the moment to commune with God, not attempt to change his will, but to submit in humility your own to his. Friends, there's gospel truth in each of your lives. And my hope and prayer this morning, and I tell this to students as many times as I can, and um, that there is, there is hope in Jesus Christ. You are not your suffering. You are not what's been done to you or what you do. You are found in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 3, 
says this, if you wanna put that up. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. How do we receive blessing? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. And finally, James 4, two through three. And I was sitting in a, in a meeting with elders and, uh, and staff and Bruce brought out this verse. And I always thought this was the charismatic verse, but he, he quoted it and he said, you desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, I heard that passage before Mark, or before Bruce mentioned that, where he read that to the staff. But you know what I was pushed back on? He believed it. It's like, you believe that if you ask in the right motive, in the right devotion, according to his will, you will receive And that's something that we all can take. That when we look at Jabez's life, we remember that we will be remembered for what we're devoted to. Friends, your prayers, you pray for what you are devoted to. So I ask if you would stand up and if you'd pray with me as we uh, collectively gather to sing one more song and be reminded of the beauty of the gospel. Lord, in, in Jabez's life and in ours, I pray that we would find devotion to Jesus Christ. He is worthy. He above all has suffered. He above all has shown his devotion to us and to the Father. And for that, we are eternally grateful. And it is by his name we are inheritors of these blessings. It is by his blood that was made a ransom for many that we are called sons and daughters and we have a place at your table to commune with you. We pause for a moment to make much of the name of Jesus. We love you and we pray it in his name. Amen.